0: alright 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 that's good to bring those things before the Lord let's just pray that God would have his way whatever is right see we can't see those things and leave it in the hands of God. Let's just lift our hands right now and pray together, agreeing together. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we realize that we just want you in our life. That's all. We want your presence, Father, and we want you to guide us. We want the right thing to be done, and because we don't have much foresight, Master, and you have it all, we come right now on behalf of Brother Chester and ask in the name of Jesus, Father, that you would cause it to be right. Master, we want it to be right. Father, if it's a good thing and you can see it, master, it it would help. We pray that it would happen and we know you can make it. But Father, if it is not, it's still in your hands. And we believe you and we'll trust you, Father, from beginning to end. right now, in the name of Jesus, bind every outside force that might seek to interfere and let it be laid to rest in the hands of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to turn to Acts, the first chapter, 15th to 20th verse, through the 20th verse this morning. I want to read some old familiar scriptures, talk about someone that we all know and despise. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names between together were about 120. Men and brethren, this, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem In so much that field is called in their proper tongue a seldoma, that is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bicep let another take. Father, we thank you this morning, we believe you this morning. We pray that you would anoint your word with your presence and with your power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to speak this morning for a portion of time on the reward of iniquity. You see, so many times we feel like that there is no reward in sinfulness or treachery or betrayal to Jesus. But there is. There's a reward that a person gets for the fruit of his sinfulness, and also there is a reward that he loses, and he loses sight of in his greed and in his worldly lust to attain some of the things in the glitter of this world. Now, I'm going to be talking this morning about someone that had a close relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to be talking this morning about someone that was numbered with the twelve and someone that had obtained part of this ministry. In other words, I'm not talking about a rank sinner. I'm talking about somebody that had walked close to Jesus. Jesus. That had shared the goodness of Jesus, all the things that he had done, and all the promises that was made. To talk about somebody that lost sight of those promises when he got his eyes off of the things that were to be, and got his eyes on things that were at the moment. Sometimes in this world that is filled with darkness and adversity. Sometimes Jesus loses his glitter. Sometimes his promises seem so far off. Sometimes they seem as if they're just idle tales that we were introduced to from a child. And from the time we experienced him with the salvation of our souls, and many of us experienced him in the power of the Holy Ghost, his powers and blessings, and he was a refreshing thing. It was a glitter that shined brighter than gold, and he was such a close individual to us, and we believed him with all of our heart. And then sometimes, like Judas, we walked and we saw no results. All we saw was a lot of chaos, sometimes a lot of heartache. What the mind of Judas looked for, he was not going to be able, in this worldly frame of mind, to achieve. So there is a reward that a person gets for his worldly mindedness and his uh, lust of the flesh. There's also a reward that he loses. And both of these rewards are clearly exhibited in the case of Judas Iscariot. I want us this morning to look deep into the heart of this oft despised man and perhaps if we are honest, we can catch some reflections of our own life in this individual's life. I realize we do not want to because sometimes the reflections in the mirror. Ever looked in the mirror sometimes and your youth was gone? (laughs) Gray hair began to replace black or brown or whatever it was and crow's feet began to appear in places where there never was and skin that was one time soft. And all at once you raise up and look in the mirror and you don't see what you want to see. But nevertheless, you need to keep looking at that because that's you. And nothing is going to change that. That's just the way you are. All of us, I'm sure, can look back on times when we felt better and hopefully for many of us that we looked better at some time or other. That would be my prayer anyway, that there was a time I maybe looked a little better. But anyway, in times like that, and times when joy spread around us and our youthful appearance and the life was going great for us, we loved to look in the mirror and say, Man, how good you look. Man, you really look good. And then afterwards we look in it and we want to just put something over to get out away from it as quick as we can because we don't really want to see us as we are. I said all that to say this. When we hold up a mirror... I'm going to hold up Judas Iscariot before us this morning, and I'm not calling any of us, any of us Judases. If, if you are, that's the way your life comes out. or well, that's up to you. But I want us to look long and deep into this individual as I describe some of the things that took place in his demise. The reward which Judas looked for and for which he betrayed his Lord Far was the possession of 30 pieces of silver. That doesn't seem like a lot, but yet to a man that had followed his master, because we know the poverty of his master. We know that as far as Jesus was concerned, he had no gold and he had no silver, and he had no houses and he had no land, and most of the time hardly had any place for his followers to lay their head, and he had nothing as far as earthly things is concerned to reward his followings with. Also, we know how the days of toil came one night after another. Dusty roads and thirsty lands and individuals that seemed to care not for these people that was trying to spread joy and glad tidings. Judas followed him with no rewards, but yet Jesus kept him or tried to keep them interested in the fact that theirs was another type of reward. They did not look upon gold and silver. Jesus told them that they should and he would not have houses and land and hardly sometimes any place to lay his head. But their rewards was coming another direction. If they would have looked, you would see souls nourished, starving. Four hundred and some odd years had passed before John the Baptist came crying in the wilderness and introduced this Jesus. Souls was being nourished by and being enlightened by his word. Instructions in the word of God as Christ instructed individuals prepared them for the kingdom of heaven, weaned them from sin, and won them unto righteousness. But of course, these type of rewards and gains would not please the worldly mind. They did not back then in Judas' time, and they do not today. If we have a worldly mind, we're looking for things that are right now. We're striving for houses and gold and silver, and there's nothing wrong with having what God gives us. What I'm trying to say is when that replaces the fact that souls need nourishing, that souls need enlighten, that souls need instructions in the Word of God, that souls need to be prepared for the kingdom of heaven and warned from sin and warned to righteousness, when that takes preeminence over all of that, then our minds are carnal. And of course, gains like this doesn't please a carnal mind. And we know the mind of Judas. I said, and we know the mind of Judas. Now, it's easy for me to look at this man and say, Judas, how could you? How could you have done this when you followed the mind of Jesus and he spoke and you heard those words? But Judas had a mind that was covetous. Judas was greedy of money and worldly acclaim. And you look at that, and I've had people to say, well, why did God choose Judas then? There's a lot of reasons for that, but I think the primary thing is God is just, and God doesn't choose us for what we are. God chooses us for what he can make out of us. And that's what he did with Judas. This was Judas' fleshly nature. He was born with it. Probably his one great weakness is Judas was greedy for worldly acclaim. You notice, as long as he thought that there was going to be a kingdom set up, he was going to be part of the rulership, he was hung ho for Jesus. Right. But when it came to the fact when it looked like Jesus was going to be crucified and he wasn't going to set up his kingdom, uh, then that old fleshly realm of Judas began to take control. And friend, that same thing happens to us today. Yes, There's not one of us sitting here under the sound of my voice but does, what does not have at least one glaring weakness of the flesh. At least one weakness at least one that the devil can pry upon and use more than any other. Many of us have more than one weakness, but many of us have at least one that the devil can get to, and this was Judas' one weakness. And isn't it just like the devil to know what that is? Are you aware this morning that he looks down upon you and His gazing stares? He goes in on that weakness of yours and he knows what it is. And he says, if I can destroy that individual, I can do it through that weakness. But you notice the other disciples had weaknesses too. Peter had a weakness and Peter, uh, denied Peter was just as bad as Judas. Judas sold his master. Peter betrayed his master and denied his master. There is but one difference. Peter recognized some way the forgiving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Judas never did. You see, the carnal-minded man cannot understand forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the spiritual man can understand it, and not only can he understand it, he can make himself a recipient of the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only can he, but he should. It's the only way that we uh, can be what God wants us to be. God chose us all when we were steeped in sin, uh, born in sin, and steeped in iniquity of us all. And He chose us and cleansed us And he chose us like we was to make us what he wanted us to be. Now, God does not make over the old nature. It stays just like it was. The only thing different is he inserts within us a divine nature, which is more powerful than the old nature, and it is that nature that he tells us to walk after. Doesn't tell us we're not going to be bothered by the other because we are. But Judas was greedy, and so uh, you see, well, you know, sometimes if you watch the scriptures, we we'll watch his eyes as he watches Mary break that very uh, expensive alabaster box of ointment and pour it on Jesus. And those greedy eyes zero in on that. And, and he, it was an atrocious thing as far as Judas was concerned. He could not understand it. He said, why, we could have sold that. And then we could have gave it to the poor because he wasn't interested in the poor. But you see, this lady some way knew more. Her mind went farther than the greedy mind of Judas and the covetous mind of Judas. Her mind went farther than that. The Bible says she did this because she was anointing the body of Jesus for burial. She recognized that. And when you've got a mind that looks at God, you forget these expensive things and give God what really belongs to him. Amen. Man, that's so you watch him Bible doesn't explicitly declare it, but you know he robbed the bag often for his own greed. He was the treasurer. Brother Gary, you watch this now. (laughs) You be careful here. And you keep your mind clear, brother. We want you in a spiritual mind all the time. And Sister Blanche and you and Sister Hosko, you watch these things too. All right? Because we don't want you dipping into the bag. (laughs) Amen. So you've got to look at that. Uh, And here's a mind so depraved. And Jesus had lost his glitter. Worldly things had, had taken preeminence over the mind of Judas. He'd forgotten everything else. So that he was putting value on worldly things. So 30 pieces of silver was quite a reward. And anyhow, he got his reward. And he did the deed. And he got his money. But he was no longer a poor man like his master. His mind seemed to be all right now. His lust was fulfilled. Former gains of robbing the bag had been increased by 30 pieces of silver. And here was a man that in those days would have been considered a rich man. But I want you to look at the price he paid for worldly mindedness. Because, friend, you can't be worldly minded without forgetting God. You can't have a covetous attitude like this without forgetting the One that purchased you, and this eventually brings you down. This didn't happen to Judas overnight. It, it was a eventual thing, finally until it come to a climax. Right. Things doesn't happen to us overnight, all at once. Satan clouds the vision of Jesus. All at once we get to looking about His second coming and we get to thinking, I've heard that since I was a child. And we don't disbelieve His coming. We just kind of think it's not going to be for a while and we've got to look out after self and we've got to make some gains. And the first thing you know, our mind is upon what we can get for ourselves. And friend, you always pay the price with your spiritual balance. You hear me this morning Whenever your eyes and mind gazes continually 24 hours a day, 7 days a week On what you can gain for yourself Your spiritual life suffers And disintegrates Until finally your mind could be Now many are As many individuals at one time Shouted the glory of God Had caught up, got caught up In visions and splendors Of great things that the world could give them and they're right now out grasping with these things, living sometimes in luxury but without God. Right. Because their mind, like Judas's, becomes so depraved that that's what he sought for. But he had forgotten his manhood. Yes. He had forgotten that man has a conscience. Amen. You have a conscience. Yes. Friend, and I thank God that we do. I thank God that that Holy Spirit inside of us that arise within us and make us see. And that guilty conscience of Judas uh, began to work like a raging seed. It couldn't be stilled. He had set his eyes to everything but the reward of iniquity which he got and which he coveted. But now the storm is raising, remorse remorse begins, it's uh, terrible work, he has vain regrets, uh, he has agonizing fears, he has terrible self-reproach, and he has unbearable shame. And all of these rest upon his soul, and it begins to tear at it, and he says, what have I done? Yes, yes. What have I done? And he begins to remember. He begins to remember, first, his master's goodness toward all that met him and toward Judas himself. When there's not a man that's ever come to Jesus that can ever forget how gracious he was. When he looked down there and nobody else would want us and nobody else could do anything for us. And he got us out of the gutter in the cesspool of sin and he washed us by the blood of the Lamb and made us what we are today. It's only by the blood of Jesus And the love that Jesus portrayed everywhere was etched deeply within the mind of Judas. The last words he finally remembered. You see, he never heard those words until his memory stirred within him. And when he was giving Jesus the kiss of betrayal, that was supposed to be a kiss of a friend. And Jesus still called him friend. Judas remembered that. Judas remembered that in the hour of treachery, when that kiss was betraying, and the Roman soldiers had identified Jesus by that kiss, and Jesus knew this, he still looked at Judas and said, Friend, when, whence cometh thou? In other words, friend, why are you here? And Judas remembered that it was not Jesus that betrayed him. It was he that betrayed Jesus. God help us to remember that all the days of our life that we are never betrayed by Jesus Christ. He recalls some of the happier moments. I've sat down and talked with a friend of mine that had played with God In church one day, drunk the next. I don't know how many times he must have come to Jesus. I don't know how many times he lost sight of the rewards of the kingdom of God. How many times he lost sight of those he had influenced with his Christian life. Those he had prayed for and the rewards which would always be in heaven. You know those are easy to lose sight of. Because every prayer we pray is not answered right off. But we have to believe Jesus hears them. And they're stored up in heaven. And that's part of our reward. But I talked to that individual. And finally it came a time where he says himself, God just doesn't deal with me anymore. I don't care one way or the other. What happens? And then we begin to talk. He begins to think of some of the happier moments of his Christian experience. He goes back over the time when uh, he, ringing wet with perspiration, God, he had worked through for I don't know how many times his backslidden condition, ringing wet with perspiration. He stood and the glory of God was on his face and God had forgiven him how he had influenced the individuals with the fact that yes, you can come back to Jesus. Yes. Yes. He began to think of some of the times that he sat before God and spoke in tongues and magnified in God. He began to think of some of their happier times in church services when he gave a fiery testimony. His words were, Oh, if he would just draw me now. If he'd just draw me now. I don't know what's happened to the boy. As far as I know, he's still out. Still don't know God. But Judas began to remember the hope that Jesus spoke about in the kingdom of heaven. And that hope was now turned into despair. How many individuals you know whose life is in despair this morning? How many of us sitting here maybe have lost a glitter of what it's all about? Why are we living for God anyway? For the tingles that go up and down our spine. For the joy we receive from singing hymns and praises to God. Why are we in this thing anyway? We're in this way, friend, and in this fight to battle it to the end and hopefully we can salvage some soul. I don't always have to feel good. I don't always have to shout. I don't always have to sing and rejoice. But one thing I do always have to do, I have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and His kingdom and His power. If I lose sight of that, then I slip right back into the covetous mind of this old boy standing here and what his flesh wants and what his flesh desires. They still live very much inside there. It's only through prayer, power of God moving in my life that I can battle them. And now he sees that these things have turned into despair and they move on him just enough just enough to make him capable of feeling the bitterness that's inside of him and in his mind that he's lost forever. You see, a worldly mind cannot comprehend the forgiveness of God. Come on. Come on. And Judas's mind could not reach out and believe that anybody could forgive him for that dastardly deed that he did. That's what a worldly mind says. That's what minds of uh, thousands of people out there that have sinned beyond reason are still declaring that God cannot forgive me. But the man and woman who has touched the human of the garment of Christ and be cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ knows that in that power of God is forgiveness of all sins. They know that. Hallelujah. And they receive it. And thereby they are saved. Judas, could he have recognized that? Oh, he felt the guilt. He felt the misery. But his mind had been so depraved and so worldly-minded he could not grasp the forgiveness of God. A lot of people like that today. I mean, we sit sometimes as stewards in God's house and we still don't recognize the forgiveness of God and the depths He'll go to. We're still doing God's job. We're judging and that's God's job. And as far as Judas was concerned, his whole existence was a curse. And it was cursed by his own greed and by his own treachery. Probably he said, good for me. That I'd never been born. I have no place to hide from God's presence. I can't abide my own conscience. Now friend, that's a terrible condition to be in. Have you ever wondered what makes suicide so prevalent today? It's because men cannot realize the mercy of God and they can't stand their own selves. So the only way out is to end their life. That must have been some of the maddening thoughts that went through the mind of this man called the son of perdition, of him that had gained a reward of iniquity, a reward of sinfulness. He tries his best to escape his own conscience. He can't do it. For in my own conscience would damn me to hell. And so would yours if I did not have an escape. Friend, I've got an escape. You have too. Yes. And when we get sick of ourselves and tired of ourselves, and we ought to always do it in the presence of God, remember there is somebody we can come to. Amen. Amen. So he tries to escape his own conscience. He tries to escape from God. But where can you go to get away from God? He's as high as we can go and as low as we can go and as wide as we can go. Wherever we go, there's God. And if we don't recognize Him as the type of God He is, if we only see Him as a judgmental God, well, then we're going to try to run from Him. So He can't find peace in His soul. So He flees from Him that reward of iniquity and throws it away and says, Here, I don't want any part of it, but He'd already gone too far. They said, we don't have anything to do with it either, Judas. It's yours. And they took it later and bought a field. But he flung from him that thing that cursed him. But he couldn't fling from himself the guilt of innocent blood. It plagued him. Right. So what's to do? What a worldly mind only can think of to do. He takes a halter, ties it around his neck jumps out over the cliff according to history, the halter breaks, he falls asunder, and his bowels and whatever else is inside of him gushes out. The end of an individual whose mind becomes so depraved that he could see no forgiveness in the greatest forgiver. How many times had that man stood there and heard Jesus perhaps was standing there when he looked at that lady taken in adultery and said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. How many times had he heard Jesus say, Thy sins be forgiven you. Take up your bed and walk. Should have known the forgiveness of the one he betrayed, but his mind was too worldly. And his mind was too carnal. And so there he goes, and the Bible says, and he goes into his own place. That's another message. Now, quickly, let's measure the gains and losses of this man. Because what we're doing is measuring the gains and losses of a fleshly lust and desires of the kingdom of God. He gained thirty pieces of silver. The Bible says, we just read it, the reward of iniquity. Yeah, you get paid for sinning. Some way or somehow. Right in his grasp. And he lost it. We've got the highest calling on the face of this earth right in our grasp. We can count it worthy enough to resist and fight for or we too can lose it. He lost his throne. Bible tells you where the apostles... Disciples would set the highest place of man on this earth under Jesus Christ. He lost his peace of mind. God, help us in a troubled world, how we need the peace of mind of Jesus Christ. He lost his self-respect. He lost his power to enjoy life. He lost the esteem of all good men. You read about Judas in the Bible. Nobody likes Judas. And he lost it. He lost any place among men save the place of shame, disgrace, and abhorrence. And he lost his own soul. He lost his own life. He lost all the pleasures of time and the joys of eternity. Friend, answer me this morning. Of what value is it to enjoy the pleasures of this life, a season, and be cast into the eternities of God having no hope beyond tomorrow? that was his reward of iniquity. And whether we want to believe it or not, this is written for our learning that we might ponder it and we ourselves might be wise. And when we look at this, we are led to a conclusion that the things which are necessary for man's happiness are not the things of this world. The gains, the pleasures, the temporal rewards of iniquity and sin come and go like a dream, like a flash of lightning. The enjoyment is there, and then it's gone. You have to deal with this here, especially if you've been illuminated by the presence of God. You've got to deal with this. But the rewards of right living, sacrificing, Running to God for the cleansing flow of Calvary brings us into the eternities of God, life forever. And a long-awaited commendation from the eternal God that simply says, well done, thou good. And I like that last one. And a faithful servant. Thou good and faithful servant. In other words, you fought the fight. You've lost a few battles, but you got up. You recognize because your mind was not too clonal or too depraved, you recognize that you have a recourse and you have a resource. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Now, the Bible tells us that we should not sin. Amen. But he also tells us that if we do, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. But a depraved mind can't see this. A mind after greed and lust of this world can't see it. It can't recognize it. It don't know it's there. Young people jump from tall buildings. Their life's so up and so destroyed and perhaps their parents never at one time introduced them to Jesus Christ and they don't even know He's alive. They're miserable. They're in a web that they can't help themselves. To go on with their habit simply means robbing and stealing and selling their bodies. And they can't face themselves anymore. What to do? They don't know about a forgiving God. They don't know anything about Him. They can't live with themselves. So what do they do? Just like the Judasists so of old. Do away with their own life. They'll go to every morning. Old and young alike. Ah, oh, Judas had not ceased to live, friend. He's lived, ah, oh, yea, these 2,000 years almost. And he still exists. He still walks around with God's people. He still starts out with them. And soon, someplace, somewhere, he never really realized the cleansing flow from Calvary. And if he did, The glitter of it all died. And what he looked at in this world with far more brightness glittered far more than the preciousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he sells himself and sells the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. Judas, how could you? We say that. And we look at disdain at this genius. But how many have sold him for a lot less than 30 pieces of silver? Shall we stand? And as you stand, just make your way right on up here to the altar and let's stand before God in prayer of dismissal. Everybody